Hi everyone, this is Tech in the City from MediaWorks Studio Network. I'm your host, Yvonne Pilon. You may know me as the girl who's a bit old-fashioned and whose father can't stop saying how neat technology is. For all the latest local tech news, make sure to follow the Tech in the City hashtag on all social media platforms or sign up for the WeTech Alliance monthly Tech It Out newsletter. Today in studio, I am joined by the doctor of whiskey, Don Livermore. Don is a master blender. He is the Canadian Whiskey Blender of the Year for not only 2020, but 2019. He has a PhD in brewing and distilling from Harriet Watt, and he is the Canadian Whiskey of the Year Pike Creek 21-year-old blender, I guess we could say. Um, He's worked in the distillery industry for over 20 years, so a big, warm Friday welcome to Don. Thank you for joining us here on Tech in the City. Well, thank you very much, Yvonne. Uh, It's it's a pleasure to be uh, here today and talking about whiskey and how it impacts the uh, Windsor community. Excited! I, I I shared this to you before how kind of geeked I was to to really talk about two things that I love a lot, which is technology and whiskey. And in fact, we're we're at the end of a Friday, and uh, Don has surprised um, surprised us here at MediaWorks Studio with some tasting. So um, you might hear a clink throughout yeah, the uh, the well, podcast. Shall we pop the <laughs> I, bottle? We totally uh, should. And this Let's, makes a better interview. It, you know? yeah, it does. Ready? Uh, there we go. Now that is our the Pike Creek, the twenty-one-year-old, which won uh, the whiskey of the year. Yes, uh, we are very proud of this at the Hiram Walker Distillery. Uh, this is a talking about innovation and technology. Innovation also applies to food, which is what whiskey mm-hmm. is considered. Um, this whiskey is unique in the fact that we've aged it for twenty-one years at our Pike Creek Aging Facility. For those who are in the Windsor area, that's out in Tecumseh. After 21 years of aging, what we've done is we took it out of those barrels and we put it into Oloroso casts, which is a a type of sherry. Uh, This is very unique innovation in terms of the Canadian whiskey world. A lot of scotches and some bourbons and certainly Irish whiskey will do that technique, but it is a first to Canadian whiskey. We released it there in 2019. We submitted it to the Canadian Whiskey Awards in, in Victoria Uh, January 2020, this was named Canadian Whiskey of the Year out of 113 different whiskeys. It was a phenomenal feeling. Uh, Everyone at our distillery is very proud. We've worked very hard to get to this moment after 21 years. A great whiskey. Uh, I encourage everyone to get it. It is a rare, rare release. We've only made 300 cases for all across Canada. Uh, And since we've won it, I mean, they are selling out quickly. There are some still left at the J.P. Weiser's Brand Center, so... uh, Quickly get there if you can, and uh, I would certainly encourage you to try it. It's extremely smooth. I'm loving it. But, you know, I've done some research on you, but most, many of our listeners may uh, may not know more, you know, about Don. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and really how does one get the title of the mad scientist of whiskey or the doctor of whiskey? So tell us more. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, not originally from the Windsor community. I'm from uh, around Listwell, Ontario. If anyone knows the show Letter Kenny, that's what Letter <laughs> Kenny is based off of. Uh, I moved here uh, for uh, to as a microbiologist. I was the guy that looked at yeast cells under a microscope for uh, many years. Uh, the company's been fantastic to me. I've been promoted into many of the different departments, into the distillery, in the brewing area, into blending, uh, draining and filling of barrels. Um, they promoted me along the way into R&D. Uh, they spent their money. I sent went to school at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland, thinking about brewing and distilling. Wow. Edinburgh, Scotland, 
seems that to be the place to get it. Fit, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> so I did my master's. I finished that in 2004. Uh, I'm a sucker for education, and I finished my PhD in brewing and distilling in 2012. And ironically, the week I got promoted to a master blender was the week I uh, did my dissertation in oh, uh, wow. in, uh, in that. So it was. Uh, I hope you celebrated with uh, a nice little toast. <laughs> I, I did. Uh, certainly over in Scotland, defending my PhD at the time, but. Uh, Certainly today, I certainly use that education in creating a whiskey such as this one here is the Pike Creek 21 Oloroso finish. And I think as we answer or we go through these interview questions, we're going to learn more just how much, you know, knowledge and insight and also I think um, innovation you bring to the the world of distilling and and whiskey specifically. Um, So for those that are listening, not everyone understands the history that Windsor has when it comes to whiskey, right? You know, you hear Windsor Eats coin us as the whiskey town Canada. So for those, again, that don't don't know our roots. Could you just briefly highlight, you know, why is whiskey important to this community? How much time do we have? I know it's such a big, <laughs> I know it's like, can there be an elevator pitch? Cause I've taken the, the, the yeah. Hiram Walker's tour. So yeah. if yeah. there's a way to condense that, um, yeah, I'll, I'll condense it in a bit, but, um, for us, if you're thinking about the Windsor community, if you look 160 years ago, there would have been only two houses here at the time. Um, Hiram Walker himself, he was from Boston, Massachusetts. He moved to Detroit at the age of 22 to run and operate a grocery store. And if you see the GM building today, that's where his grocery store was. And he sold things out of that grocery store, what the farming community would have been producing. And one of the things at that time would have been moonshine. And I don't know what possessed Hiram Walker to do it, <laughs> but he would take that moonshine, he'd run it through charcoal. And charcoal would act like a Brita water filter. So there's innovation even back in the early 1840s, 1850s, stripping out those pungent characters you don't like in moonshine. He would blend it in a store, sell it. He became quite the entrepreneur, started uh, becoming a businessman, wanted to make some money. So he looked for some property that was cheap. So he looked south of the U.S. border. As we all know, Windsor is south of Detroit. And he bought 460 acres where we're still located today for 1,300 pounds at that time. And to be quite honestly, Hiram Walker never became a Canadian. He always remained an American citizen and he would commute across the water every day to run and operate his distillery. And if you think about it today, there's what, 10, 12,000 Canadians that will commute into Michigan every day to work and, and uh, for their businesses. I look at Hiram Walker probably as Windsor's first commuter. Um, with that, he 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 changed how things were distilled. He he learned how to rectify. That means making whiskey lighter and smoother. Uh, that's what people wanted in that era. They wanted light, smooth whiskey, and uh, he built his distilling empire. And uh, here here we are today. I mean, we go through a series of historical events. I often do whiskey tastings. I know, Yvonne, you've had a chance to sit in on one that I've done, and I'll say, what grew Canadian whiskey more than anything else? And most people will put up their hands. uh, 99% of the time, they'll say prohibition. And quite honestly, prohibition killed our category. It's, uh, we lost our customer, we lost our distribution. What actually grew the Canadian whiskey category more than anything else was the years 1861 to 1865, which was the American Civil War. Uh, America North was fighting in the America South. Where's all the U.S. distilleries located? Yeah, in in the South. So if the two were going to war, do you think they're selling each other whiskey? No, and it was gentlemen like Hiram Walker that took advantage of it, and that's where he really turned Windsor into Whiskey Town or Whiskey City, and uh, he started building his empire, and certainly we know of Walkerville today, 
And that was probably one of the most fundamental key events of of Canadian whiskey history. It is such part of our part of our history, and I know we plan to talk about it after. But this is maybe a good plug for the tour, and for those that are interested in learning more, not only about the history of Windsor, but also to tour the facility and actually do some tasting, which is one of my favorite parts. So uh, maybe just do a plug yeah. for the tours that are available. Yeah, go to jpwiserstour.ca. Um, it has all the information there. They on the winter months they would. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they do three tours a day. And during the summer, they have tours every day. $15, you get a great storytelling, a little bit of what I've just said here. Uh, and you get four drams of whiskey. It is one of the highlights in the community of the Windsor-Essex County. Um, I, quite honestly, Yvonne, I get writers from all around the world walking through our distillery and they said, this is probably one of the best distilleries in the world. It's so amazing. So I only did it, it was about a year ago. And I was almost like a little bit disappointed in myself that it took me a, like that long to take the tour and actually go and see like, you know, it's one thing to go into the JP Weiser kind of event space. It's another thing to walk across the street and see these giant barrels and be on top of the like. Fermenting, I've I've lost uh, I've lost all the wording, but it was such an amazing experience, and I think it was don't was it fifteen thirty dollars fifteen dollars so affordable. So it's almost like I feel like everyone should be mandated to take that tour. Yeah. So if you have family or friends that are coming to visit you in the city and you're looking for something to do, certainly it's it's a highlight of the of the city of Windsor and the Essex County region. I encourage it. It's a great story tell. Um, and, and, and learn a, a thing or two about what really built early Canadian life, uh, and, and we should be proud of it. And you have special classes too, I believe, that are available, correct? Yes, I do. They sell out really, really quick. You'd have to follow me at my Instagram, Twitter, or Insta, um, LinkedIn handles at cdnwhiskeydoc. That's whiskey without an E in Canada. Yeah, I know. I always <laughs> I always put it a Y and an E for some reason. Yeah, and so. what I'll do is... Uh, Every so often, I'll pitch out um, blend your own whiskey. I call it Blending 101, where I line up about 200 different samples of whiskey. You come in and you learn how to blend whiskey. How cool is that? That is really cool. I've been saying I wanted to do that. So when I look at the list of things um, uh, that the brand has in the portfolio, including J.P. Weiser's, Lot 40, Pike Creek, you have Hiram Walker's, Polar Ice Vodka, Lamb's Rum, Seagram's Gym. What are you responsible for distilling? Are you just, or like uh, blending? Is it just the whiskey specifically? All of specifically? those. All of those. And most people, when we think of like Seagram's, Lamb's Rum, we don't, we immediately just think of whiskey here. So there's a whole, like, when you pass the train station, you see the Lamb's Rum, and I was like, that's, so is it made here, produced here? Ever, he's nodding. His I'm head. nodding, yes. Yeah. yeah. So again, I go back to like when you go into a liquor store, um, you know, when you look at that, like, I feel really proud to say, like, that was created here. Yeah. Uh, brands like Lamb's Rum uh, is, um, distilled and blended and aged uh, here, as long as the McGinnis lineup of families. Um, we also uh, have some gins, as you mentioned, the Seagram's Gin. Um, probably the largest brand that people are unaware of is uh, Malibu Rum. Yes. We will bring in the components from the West Indies uh, and uh, blend them together and bottle it. And so all the la- or the Malibu for North and South America is is blended and bottled here in Canada. Um like I said, the, the distillery is very flexible. It's phenomenal. I have writers like telling me all the time, this is probably the most complicated 
the most awesome distillery in in all the world. And 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 I think part of me being here today is we have to get out there and tell it as as whiskey producers, as spirit producers in Canada, how important of an industry it is to us and to this region. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of a tidbit of information in terms, if you think of a whiskey barrel, it's worth about $1,000 worth of tax inside our Pike Creek warehouse facility. We got 1.6 million barrels sitting there. It's the size of 132 hockey arenas. Wow. So if you think of 1.6 million, $1,000 worth of tax, there's a $1.6 billion of excise tax sitting in our our warehouses out there. (laughs) And you, and you can't not say that whiskey is very important to the Canadian economy today. It's, again, I think it's a big part of it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, is Hiram Walker's the largest distillery in North America? It's There's debatable. Debatable? It's, but okay. debatable. Okay. It depends on what you mean by large. Some of us go debatable by... Debatable more on the yes side or <laughs> By number of barrels that we're storing. Uh, but there's others that'll produce more case good or there, there's others that will distill more volume. But we're certainly in the large, three largest distilleries in North America. That's amazing. So what brings us here today, in addition to plugging all the great work that Don's doing and again, the awesome things that are happening here in Windsor and Canada in the terms of the whiskey industry, is the whiskey and tech conversation. So when most people would not associate whiskey and technology, in fact, what prompted this podcast was when, uh, again, Don's very active on social media. I encourage you to follow him again at Canadian or CDN Whiskey Doc, um, very active on social media. But he posted an image and it looked, again, I don't know exactly the full context of the image, but it was a bunch of grains with more of an auto, kind of an automation piece that was either pulling the grains or reviewing the grains, I'm not sure. But what really made me think, I bet you there's a lot of technology. And then when I started researching it, I found out there is tons of technology in whiskey. So, Don, having, you know, worked in the distillery industry for 20 years, how have you seen technology change, disrupt the industry? And also, what do you predict for the next two decades? Um, excellent question. And I'll start with this, is technology, if you think about alcohol, probably advanced with us as an industry more than any other industry. Alcohol and excise taxes and government regulation probably prompted some of the top chemists in the world to come up with um, things, how to test for alcohol content or test for color content or microbiological procedures. It all stemmed from the alcohol industry. Um, That's where some of the money was. That's where the excise tax... We all often say, I feel like whiskey, probably pre-prohibition, was terrible. Mm-hmm. They really did not understand microbiological techniques. They did not understand sanitation. They did not understand engineering. Things would have been done by hand. I think it probably would have been not very tasty. But as prohibition ended, we went into the Industrial Revolution. You could see Hiram Walker hiring their first microbiologists, their first chemical engineers, and you could start seeing equipment evolving through the years. The technologies probably made our whiskeys far more consistent uh, from batch to batch with an understanding of what is going on. Um, when I arrived in 1996, we were still doing some older style techniques on what we're what we're looking at in in our whiskeys, and a lot of it was turning valves by hand and timing out uh, certain times and things like that. But still, that added inconsistency, and probably a couple of things happened that that I think got us into world leaders to what we do. One of them is in putting uh, computer control systems in place through mm-hmm. the late '90s to the early 2000s. Everything today 
or not to say everything, but for the most part, most of our control systems, valves, when running distillation and fermentation, all the way to bottling and blending is all automated by a computer control system. That was probably one of the biggest evolutions was this computer, internet kind of thing. And it certainly has made things speed up, far more consistent. And the reliance on computer programmers today is far more. We were talking before this yeah. interview. We at this our is a site, great timid of yeah, yeah, we at our site. We probably have forty to fifty IT people working on uh, programming to ensure the quality. And I rely on those folks to make sure uh, what we get here in a Pike Creek bottle is consistent uh, as well. So that was one of the big things. The other thing is scientific techniques have probably changed. I know I've won the Master Blender of the Year in two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty. Great accolade. But when I retire from this industry. That's not going to be my most proud moment. My most proud moment is this. When I started uh, as a microbiologist in 1996, for us to get an analysis on a fermentation by the hand techniques, it took us about four hours. And we have 39 fermenters. I, we, we, we could not control our fermentation very well. Uh, myself, I worked on a technique using infrared sensors to measure fermentation instantly. It's, I almost describe it to people, it's like a Star Trek tricorder. You put a beaker of mash on top of this piece of equipment that reflects light on it. I can tell you the alcohol content, sugar content, wow. acid content in our fermentations at every minute of the day. Um, our fermentations today, are we get up to 16 17%. Alcohol in our fermentation when I started was 9 uh, It's far more. I say fermentation. Most people don't realize it. Yeast is the heartbeat of a distillery. That's mm -hmm. where all, most of your flavors mm -hmm. come from. Mm -hmm. um, today, that technique and I've spoken around the world on this technique, uh, I've worked on a PhD on it, um, is now commonplace in the industry. Mm -hmm. So it's changed industry on what we do and how we make whiskey and how we can develop flavors and what we do. So those are just a couple of things. There's many more innovations. I can easily, I could be here for half a day talking yeah. about well, the innovations. Well, I have innovations. a few I, I, mean, I wanted to talk about, but where um, do you see the industry going in 20 years? Like, Yeah, I, I, I quite honestly, I pre-read some of the questions you gave, yeah. um, and I, you're thinking getting into the computer control systems, but the thing about whiskey is there is an art to it. And that's, and, I did read a lot of that, and that's why I, you need to talk more about that. And, and then there is a storytell to it. I know we picked up this bottle of the 21-year-old Pike Creek here, and I have a 23-year-old Wisers here as well, um, and... There's something to be said, what were you doing 21 years ago? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a time capsule effect, I think, when we have whiskey. I The days when I started art research and development, I had people showing up on our door talking about rapidly aging whiskey, and it can be done. I mean, you mm -hmm. can analyze these whiskeys to death, and you can recreate lots of these dominant uh, components that you see in whiskey. But at the same time, people want that storytell. Yeah. They want the authentic thing. Um, and I don't know if there's ever going to be a, a, around the, the world of making rapid whiskey. Yes, there are companies that do it and they do it successfully. Mm -hmm. But I think the consumer wants to understand where their food is coming from. They want to understand the life history of it. They want to reminisce with friends. Yeah. It's and, interesting. Yeah, I think this is so, so you got to combine the two actually. together, yeah. which, which makes no. it a little bit of difficult when you look at it from yeah. the perspective of a master blender. Yeah, no, and I, I, you know, in, in taking the tour, I think you learn about, you know, whiskey is an experience, right? It's, it's, it is about the storytelling, and it's. I love when you just you you look at this, and there's so much more than just you know a 
whiskey. It's a story and how you created it and why you created it and what, what, what moment in your life helped you create this. Yeah. Uh, was there anything that you want to say about the Pike Creek? Yeah, well, the Pike Creek. Like, uh, where, how, what's its story? Well, well, Pike Creek is obviously named after the Pike Creek uh, that, that goes uh, outside yeah. of our whiskey aging warehouse. So anybody in this region should certainly pick up a bottle of Pike Creek. Uh, Pike Creek is all about barrel finishing. So there's an innovation that we are have been doing and experiencing in this industry mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Today, the innovation people recognize and understand a barrel. And what we mean by finishing it is we can age it in a barrel mm-hmm. of one type and then putting it into another. Because barrels act like a sponge. Mm-hmm. What was in a barrel before yeah. and is going to come into your product. And the the brand Pike Creek does that. We have another brand that's a Pike Creek that's finished in a Caribbean rum cask, which mm-hmm. is a very... Uh, nice brown sugar notes uh, and Caribbean spices that are to it. And finishing resonates with the consumer today. Mm-hmm. I honestly will say say that um, and people understand a barrel, get a barrel. They go for whiskeys that are, are like this. But my, my thought thing is as a master blender is what's tomorrow. Think about it, Yvonne. Five years from now, 10 years from now, I wish I know what you might be drinking. Yeah, You're still young. What will you be drinking in 10 years? So I got to be thinking about that today. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like whiskey kind of like it, and not that it was always popular, but I feel like it's become very much, it's more popular than it ever has been. So is there a reason for that? Is there something that happened in the pop culture or what, you know, again, I, I said Netflix, tons of documentaries, you know, there's, we're even seeing locally, we've got Whiskey Fest and it's it's really catering to, to, to the millennial demographic, right? It, Not so Mad Men style, right? And whiskey has come and gone. There, there's yeah. traditional yeah. cycles of yeah. spirits. If you actually mm-hmm. look at it, uh, it usually goes to whiskey, then gin. We're starting to see a resurrection of gin I a little agree. bit. I do uh, like gin as well. And then the next we anticipate to rum and then, then it'll come back to to oh. maybe vodka and then come back to tequila. We And I've just described probably the next 30 yeah. years and then you'll get back into liqueurs. Uh so there is a natural cycle, and it's, it's hitting things at the right time. The mm-hmm. brand Lot 40, if you recognize that, that's our 100% rye whiskey, mm-hmm. re-released in 1998. It was a failure. Yeah. Because people will not, were not ready for highly f- flavored rye whiskeys. Rye is that warm feeling through your chest. If you ever get a whiskey and you got that warm feeling through the chest. That's a bad thing? No, it depends thing? what you want. <laughs> and it depends what you want. I know how much rye is in a whiskey when I, when I blend whiskey by how long that warm feeling mm-hmm. sticks in your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, we call that the Canadian hug. Okay. Yes, we call that the Canadian hug. So like a brand that. like Lot 40 in 1998, consumers weren't ready for that. Uh, that, that you know, I was in my 20s at that age, and people just weren't drinking. Because I'm, I'm older. I grew up on a meat and potato diet. We wanted lighter, mm-hmm. smoother whiskeys at that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find the millennials, or what I don't know what the next generation is, Y or Z, they probably grew up on diets that have experienced um, uh, trends it with, you know, Indian food, Japanese food, yeah. big, bolder, spicier flavors. And I think we're now seeing uh, a renaissance or a trend going into these big cask finished whiskeys, 100% rye whiskeys, whiskeys that have a high peat. We don't make a peated whiskey in our, our facility, but high peated smoky whiskeys and cask strength. I, I mean, you're thinking cask strength. Coming out of a cask, the two that are brought here with me today is the Weiser's 23 year that sits at 64.3% and the lot 40 cast strength sits at yeah. 57%. And consumers are asking for that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about hitting the timing right. And if I and that's the crystal ball that I have to look yeah. at as a master blender is I'm looking at you here and thinking, yeah. well, what will she be drinking in five years, that's, 10 years? 
And it's the responsibility as the master blender to put that inventory away for the next generation to play with. And sometimes I look at it as my, it's my retirement package. Like Hiram Walker is going to be successful based on what we innovate and put away today. I feel like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders, Don, with all, you know, knowing that, you know, you're, you're really building the future of this company. And again, it's, it's so much about science tech, you know, the technology side. Now you got the psychological side and like the his, like the future side. So I, I guess I, I don't envy you and what you have to do. Honestly, honest, Yvonne, the, the best thing for it. And I think a lot of master blood. Yeah. Lot, you can tell I'm passionate. I know. Yeah. I wish you could see him. His eyes are so excited about uh, talking. About I think, this. I think the biggest mistake that master blenders will do globally is stick in their laboratory or mm-hmm. keep nosing there. But I think you got to get out there and talk to the consumer. Yeah. Which I, I know, you do because again I see you you're very active and and like you said I you if you google Don Livermore you will see you will literally get a google search page of I bet you millions of results of <laughs> covers of magazines awards accolades so I I definitely encourage um, a, a google uh, a google um, uh, search so just going back to the tech side I, I again I did some research and I I get maybe you can just give light on are you working in this space or not so looking at um ultrasonic energies, for example, and they're being used um, to make it possible to age spirits more quickly, right? And you mentioned about consistency and quickerness, because tri- quickerness, I don't even know if that's a word, but when you look at, you know, traditionally, like you're aging something for 21 years, that's a lot, you know, you can't sell that barrel for 21 years. So are you uh, working with any types of technologies or science around expediting that fermentation or distillery process? Uh, no. No? I th- I. And like I said, I, I've known it for 20 years yeah. that those technologies existed. Uh, I landed at a Hiram Walker where we have aged inventories already. Uh, I think a lot of the companies are starting that technology, which I think is interesting yeah. as a business model are, are newer companies. Yeah. Um, but again, I think if I talk to the authentic whiskey consumer, I think they'd be willing to try stuff like that. But I think they'll go back to comfort. Yeah. I think they'll go back to the storytelling of whiskey and the long-term view and the long-term picture. I'm not saying I'm not willing to look at it because yeah. I'm a science geek and I, I yeah. love new stuff. I just, um, again, I Googled whiskey and technology and this is something that came up, but you're in a unique place where you've now been around for, you said, 160 years. Yeah. So if you're a micro, these, you know, I just started yesterday, you yeah. can't wait, you know, yeah. you can't wait 20 years. So this might be a way that these, you know, people are getting into the market a little quicker. A little quicker. Um, but again, there, there's a storytelling element yeah. to a bottle of whiskey and I'll never say never will, will happen in our industry. Mm-hmm in our industry yeah. but or in uh, Hiram Walker but today I'm not working on I'm aware of that technology yeah. but not yeah. not working on and it. then obviously automation we've seen it and in, in you mentioned about you know how I'm sure the production line is 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 automated um the wa- the rise of whiskey robots so again from the production side the warehousing side I mean you see Amazon's warehouse full of robots um have you do you guys work with kind of any type of robotic systems um on the floor Okay. Uh, the robotic systems a or little even, bit at, yeah. that down the bottling line for mm-hmm. sure, because mm-hmm. y- you're not having human beings putting bottles into cases anymore yeah. or, or screw on caps or paste on labels. So that's totally automated and robotic, uh, as, as much as we've possibly done that same with draining and filling of barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that is automated as well. 
and a lot of just turning valves and moving liquid around and cleaning uh, equipment in place is certainly computer controlled. Outside of that, as robotics, I've seen robotics in warehouses moving case goods around. We don't do that at our facility today. Our sister facility in Fort Smith, Arkansas, uses robotic palletizing mm-hmm. uh, things. We, we haven't gotten that far yet in our, our facility. It's still run by forklift. Um, but as to actually creating and customizing a blended whiskey, we have robotic systems called GC mass specs, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, that measures the components that come into the whiskey, either from the fermentation or from the barrels or uh, from the grain. We, we have a good handle on a number of components that we can measure, but whether we get a, uh, a system in place that will blend, I don't think that'll ever... It, at the end of the day, I'll always say this. The most important tests that we do at our facility is is done by humans. Yeah. And we do a sensory test. Uh, at our, if anyone wants to join our panels, be my guest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whiskey taster, what? <laughs> Instant light it is, it is all done by human beings making a sensory perception on a standard that we choose. I don't think that'll ever go away. We have to make choices as human yeah. beings based on the nose, based on the taste, and it's based on a quorum. If you think yeah. it's the master blender, you see me on social media, I'm everywhere. I'm not at the yeah. site every day. Yeah. We do and test our panel members mm-hmm. on what they are good at. Yeah. Uh, it- it's a really interesting lead into again the, the the kind of the third technology that I've read about is this AI created whiskey. So you talked about you know you're relying on the nose, the taste, the t- tongue, whatever. Um, there's a case called it's actually the it's called Recipe Number Thirty Six. The the idea came to light during a meeting between Mac Myra and hopefully I'm saying that properly whiskey and Microsoft. So basically it's um, it was inspired by Mike. Oh sorry, the idea was sparked by Microsoft and their partner. Uh, for kind and basically what they're doing is using AI in terms of what people like and this AI technology is basically deciding the the recipe so have you have you tried this whiskey what do you think of it because like you said to your point you're like you really want to rely on the human as opposed to in this case it would be an artificial intelligence that question I I and I'm not familiar with yeah. what was going on. I'll, I'll put it's, it out yeah, there. It's a, but it's a Finnish I'll, technology company that's actually doing the, the tech. So. But I'll tell you my thoughts or my philosophy yeah. where industry is going. And it's a little bit what you're talking about yeah. here is I'm starting to see more and more evolution of customization. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about the blending 101 that I do at the distillery and I encourage your audience to come and check it out. Uh, I think I, I'm, I, well, I am getting more customers like the LCBO, the BCLS, the Alberta board approaching, can we have our own whiskey just for our own market? They come in, I teach them how to blend and they make it. Oh, wow. They know what their consumers are looking for. I've now gone into the U.S. as now as well, and they're making it to the store level. Can I have okay. a special blend for my own store? I show them my 240 different things I have in a barrel that they can play around with, and they're starting to do that. So, Yvonne, I'm thinking... What is 10 years away, if regulation changes within Ontario or Canada, how far is away that you can walk into the Hiram Walker Distillery and you can make your own blend? Well, it's just like making wine. I mean, we make perfumes now. You can make your own lipsticks. I mean, what's, you know, I what's think that, next? that's it's, interesting. It's, it's customization. I, I think like that's where people are going. And, I like this. And maybe, maybe it might involve yeah. a little bit of AI technology yeah. Yeah. to make sure it's mm-hmm. done. Uh, but I, I think more and more people care yeah. about where their food yeah. come and and I'll I'll add yeah. their tidbit uh, into the, into this as well. 
is we heavily rely on our Windsor-Essex County region uh, agricultural producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our to gr- them. I think people don't realize, like, our, again, the agricultural side to whiskey. Oh, our farmers, uh, we've had fourth-generation farmers that we Amazing. go to. We buy 100,000 metric tons. Wow. That's, that, that's 100 million kilograms of grain a year, and the majority of it come from Essex County. That's amazing. There is a lot of spinoff jobs to what whiskey's doing, and we rely on those farmers and their technology. And I'll go into technology, go into hybrids of grains. Mm-hmm. If you want to go there, that's mm-hmm. one of my thoughts 10 years out. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking for, for very specific hybrids of rye. Yeah. Dial up the spiciness, yeah. and we rely on the agriculture community to present to us different grains of what are you going to grow? What do consumers are looking yeah. for? And Essex County is a region. You look at this as a region, Ivana. You want to yeah. talk about technology and innovation? Yeah. Oh, yes. Think, think about I this do. region. How yes. much alcohol is being made here? Yeah. No, it's... Within uh, 100 miles of yeah. he, where we're sitting, you've got the two largest fuel ethanol plants in Canada. you got Crown Royal. you got mm-hmm. Hiram Walker. you got Wolfhead Distillery. you got all the wineries. And look yes. at all the breweries. Shout out to Tom at Wolfhead. He's <laughs> such a wonderful man. It, think about... The uh, the alcohol industry, Windsor, Essex County, Kent yeah. County, and how important, how viable yeah. it is to our economic region. Yeah. Huge. From a tourism perspective, I think that's one of the, re- you know, a nice sell for our region is all the tours from, again, not even just the 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 distillery, the craft brew, but even coffee, right? We're getting into this coffee trail as Tourism Windsor, Essex would promote. Um just a funny thing about, you know, the technology in in, uh, in the distillery industry. I was just recently in Vegas and went to Tipsy Robot, which basically I walked up to a computer screen, put in my order, and a KUKA Robotics automated arm went in and just grabbed every alcohol, shook it up, and then presented it to me. So it was really interesting to see, you know, the bartender of the future, and here is literally a bar that's fully yeah. staffed by robots. It's really crazy. It was a weird experience. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the pre-made cocktails, like yeah. the J.P. Weiser's yes. Manhattan, the yes. J.P. JP Weiser's old fashioned that we make. They're on fire right now. Yeah. I encourage you yeah. to try to get get a bottle uh, of one of those two. I, I think the pre-made, the customization, right to the bartender. I that doesn't surprise me uh, whatsoever. I, I think you're going to no, start to see that. And we're hit, again. We're, we're just kind of uh, touching the surface of. I think you know from from you know the actual agricultural side to the actual finished product of what's involved. But how does how do you at Hiram Walker? How do you stay innovative? Because I've read, I know our company is more, and this is not necessarily your company, but I've heard companies start saying we're more about innovation technology than we are about distilling. So would you agree, disagree? How do you stay innovative as an organization or a company in this space? And I know you're really involved in R&D. Yeah, well, yes, I am. You involved are. In you're R&D. like the research and, yeah, you're the lead of this. So yeah. for both the Canada, for the Canadian market and the U.S. market. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. Um to be involved, I'll go back, talk to your consumer, talk to your customer. I think that's first and foremost. Again, my educational background allows me to cross over into the gray areas. You know, you can work on projects with breweries or you can work on projects with wineries. Um, so I I think it's about seeing what your competitors are doing. Uh, it's about reading. It's about bringing it all together. It is a team effort. It's mm-hmm. not just me. Uh, there's yeah. a staff of people. Um, that go out and approach insights and they, hey, Don, what do you think about this? Or, And I, I give a shout out to, I think we got some of the best innovative people and minds in our, in our industry and talent in our industry here in Windsor, Ontario, looking at innovations. Yes, has there been failures? Yes, but it may be a little bit about marketing timing. And what we made today might not be success, but you know, like I said, with Law 40, it wasn't success in the yeah. 90s, but it is today. Um, 
it's about timing. And I think listening to your customer is probably your, the yeah. biggest thing that I take away, to be honest with you. It sounds like that, right? Like there's that really you're all about just, you know, talking to people, getting them to taste the whiskey and again, predicting what's going to happen. What What is Yvonne going to be drinking in five years? So I'll keep you posted on what I think. Please do. <laughs> so um, this is something I think we've already talked about, but I found this really interesting and you go back to, you know, technology and kind of a very traditional environment. So, you know, um, fundamentally changing whiskey, um, you know, becoming more tech focused can spur a lot of doubt and fear, right? So how do you balance tradition with innovation and technology? And I think like you, you've alluded to that, right, is you don't really want to get fully where it's just instant whiskey. There's no story. There's nothing besides a drink, right? It's more than that. So how do you, how do you balance that? For me, um, I'm very technology oriented, uh, to be honest with you. We have lots of pieces of equipment that can measure things inside of whiskey down to the parts per trillion. Um, if you think parts per trillion is very mm-hmm. tiny, very small, we certainly use those pieces of equipment to make day-to-day decisions. Um, we certainly rely on consistency. Uh, we rely on on our suppliers to make sure we bring in consistent products. So we do put pressure on them mm-hmm. uh, to, to make it from uh, day-to-day. Um, we also... Um, re- we, we do rely on a lot of technology, I must say, but at the end of the day, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the fundamentals do not change. Yeah. I, one of the things that I've, I've done, I'll, I'll take a little bit of an aside here. Uh, I've developed something called the Canadian Whiskey Flavor Wheel. Okay. If anyone's ever seen a flavor wheel, uh, they drive me crazy because I think they're just more from a sommelier's perspective. Yep. One of the things uh, that I've designed around the flavor wheel that I've designed is flavor for whiskey can only come from three spots. It either comes from the yeast, the grain, or the barrel. Mm. Those things really don't change fundamentally. And you can always go back to those storytelling moments because that's what whiskey is. And I think that's the storytelling or the art of what we're doing. We got lots of nice little processes that Mm -hmm. are technology that are going on in the background that consumers don't know about. But yet we have the fundamentals that we can always go back to as a whiskey producer and say, this is what whiskey is. And it really hasn't changed for 5,000 years. Interesting. Uh, It really hasn't changed. There's a company that I worked with in Canada called Taste Guru, and I'll give them a shout out. Um, They basically are, um, you can discover your taste through AI. And I think they have a pilot with the LCBO, if I'm not mistaken, or the beer store. Again, so you as a consumer can basically start, you know, putting, you know, through this app, I think a website is, is, you know, telling you what you like and it will basically through the AI technology suggest different brands and stuff like that. So, yeah, if, um, you, if I really go into my, yeah. my thing on the flavor yeah. wheel that I've developed, I actually can make uh, what they call polar histograms around that flavor wheel and I can put a picture to your whiskey before you drink it. Just and crazy. I think that's, that's a little bit, that that's a change. I got this thing trademarked in 170 countries. People wow. look at this flavor wheel that I've You're built. an entrepreneur. You're a scientist, a technologist, a <laughs> And a blender. marketer. There you go. Yeah, and a marketer. <laughs> what uh, can't he do? But, that but is the question I want to know. <laughs> that's talking about what you're saying is I think if you can paint a picture to what your whiskey is going to taste like before the yeah. consumer picks yeah. it up, yeah, yeah that, that's all the more of the benefit. But again, our fundamentals don't change. Our fundamentals don't change. So we talked about the tour, and again, um, uh, we do want to give a plug uh, to Hiram Walkers and J.P. Weiser. So we've talked about the tour. We've talked about the classes um, that you can take. One of the cool things I love about um, about you know the the Weiser products and the the uh, Panoa Card products is you can actually do the etching in the bottles, mm-hmm. um, which is I believe a free service. So 
is it a free service or is it it's a, a nominal fee? Basically, it, if you think of your whiskey bottle that you buy, um, you can actually um, engrave a picture, a message, and maybe yeah. you can shed light on it. Yeah, that. a lot of people will buy the yeah. J.P. Weiser's 15-year bottle because it's yeah. a square bottle and it's yeah. a nice bottle you can etch on, etch on it. Uh, and they do it at our store. It is not a free service, but yeah. it is nominal uh, charge above it. If you want something a little more intricate that, that takes a little bit more time, to like I've seen them put pictures of people on the bottle. I've seen them. I have cool. one. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen uh, firemen get their shield yeah. uh, or policemen get their yeah. shield uh, engraved on the edge of the bottle yeah. for gifts. Certainly Valentine's Day is coming up. If you want to certainly give gifts on a Valentine's Day or Perfect. Father's Day yeah. or Mother's Day, certainly the Christmas season is the, yeah. probably the most busiest day uh, of the year. Uh, I've seen companies like banks or law firms giving out gifts to their special to get an engraving on it and say my thank you very much. favorite golf tournament gift. <laughs> my favorite golf, golf Yeah, I, I've seen golf tournament uh, yes, gifts. I, I mean, it, it is a simple little thing. And you, again, go to JP Weiser's Tour Arts and you just fill it, yeah. type it right in what message you want on the bottle or what logo you want in the bottle. Very simple service. And uh, I would suggest yeah. the, the Weiser's 15, 18 year uh, certainly is a good one to do it because of the nice square shaped bottle. Yep. So you got the etching, you got the tours, you got the classes. There's apparel available if you go into their showroom. And what I love, it's, it's I believe, event space that's kind of under the radar, which is the J.P. Weiser Event Center, which is stunning, stunning space. Very affordable. Um, again, I encourage you to check it out if you haven't been there. And again, it's just this, every time I bring someone new there, they're like, I had no idea this existed. Yeah, how many, how many places in the city of Windsor has a waterfront view yeah. like that one? Like, we'll get corporate functions going in, so in there. So if you want an offsite meeting, if you're if you're a company listening to this uh, and you want offside meeting, uh, they can cater lunches. We have good partners within the catering services within the city yes. uh, to rent the space out, uh, and it just gets filled more and more and more. And uh, as we, we we bring the Canadian whiskey right. to life, I think that's one of the, our agendas as a company is that we've seen is we have to educate our consumers mm -hmm. on what Canadian whiskey is. And that's what that event space is designed for. And that big, what did you call it? Canadian hug? The Canadian hug. The, the Canadian rye, hug. The rye whiskey, yes. I'm going to give myself a Canadian <laughs> hug tonight. Um, okay, so a couple last questions before. I don't. It's, it's Friday and I don't want to be mindful of your time. So I have to ask, I know you get probably asked this question a thousand times, but what do you drink for whiskey? And um, what would someone find in your whiskey cabinet um, that's outside of what you blend? So... What do you drink, or how do you drink your whiskey? I should maybe ask. Depends what it is. Um, I, li I like cocktails, um, old fashions, Manhattan's. My I, I certainly would like that. And usually, when I do old fashions, I'll I want a whiskey that stands up in it. So I'll use Lot Forty. Lot Forties are one hundred percent rye, so okay. it stands up quite well in it. Um, and if what mood I'm in, I'll have Pike Creek Neat. Um, I, so it doesn't have a lot of rye in, in that blend, and it's a very easy sipping style of whiskey. As for others, I, I must confess, as a master is blender, like, no, no, as, as, no, no, quite opposite. Yeah. Actually, the opposite, Yvonne. If I'm not watching what my uh, competitors are doing, I'm mm -hmm. not doing my job. Good answer. Yeah. Um, so I certainly have a cabinet at home, and certainly I work as well, looking at the latest and greatest innovations uh, of what people are doing and playing around with. Um, and some of them I get inspired by. And some of them, I'll never buy a bottle again. So um, it goes full end of the spectrum. But I think, and I think if anybody's that does listen to this podcast that is in tech, I'm sure it happens in the automotive industries, yeah. the tool and die industry. What are your competitors doing? Yeah. You need we, to know. We, right? we, we are yeah. all doing it. And that's yeah. what makes us all better. 
Yeah. And I don't know if I think I like Blanton's, but I believe that's a bourbon. It's Kentucky. I do. I really have really liked I've grown on that one. In addition to the local stuff, of course. My advice to you, if you'd like a bourbon is drink the Gooderham and Warts. That's what I find is bourbon drinkers tend to go to that that brand. I need to do one of your classes. (laughs) And I think we just had a new idea. Well, I guess not a new idea because I know there's the girls who brew group, but maybe we need a a women who whiskey or or a women in whiskey group here. I I would would agree that. I go all across this country and certainly the U.S. and around the world, and I'm starting to see more and more uh, whiskey clubs for for women. And uh, we, uh, as master blenders, there's there's many famous women master blenders as well. Mm. We recognize uh, that there's opportunities, and we make all different styles for all different tastes. Yeah. And women like heavy whiskeys; they like light whiskeys. And I, I think now whiskey is an approachable uh, segment that certainly Definitely. women can enjoy. And I just, this question just popped up in my head because I believe on the tour, I was mind blown by the answer. But everyone thinks when they they drive by Hiram Walkers and they smell that mm. smell, they think it's the smell of yeast. That's right. I, I, I do this all the time. And in my I, <laughs> I remember, I forget the answer now, but it's not. No, right? I, it, right? is, it is. Uh, they think it smells like bread. I, we can tell if it's a good day by the smell in the air. Yeah, so uh, explain yes. the smell. It is us drying down the leftovers uh, into what we call as distillers dry grains, mm. which is high protein feed, which we sell back to the farmer. Um, J.P. Weiser was a distiller back in the early 1850s, 1860s, and he bought a distillery in Canada for the purpose of raising, raising cattle. He was Canada's premier uh, agriculture wow. person in the 1850s. 18- he has a journal article in the yeah. 1860s. What grows cattle faster than anything else is the waste from a distillery. He understood that, which is amazing that we still do that today, 160 years later. Crazy. So the next time you have a glass of whiskey and a piece of steak, yeah. we call that the circle of life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. We asked this question to all of our guests looking at um, beyond 2020 and your moonshot idea. So that's your big, hairy, audacious goal. What is it? The struggle I have is letting people understand and know uh, about what makes flavors in whiskey. And I talked about the whiskey wheel earlier where, where you got grain uh, and barrels and yeast. Those are the three things that can control flavor in your whiskey. It's an easy sell for me to talk about barrel. You see it, you get it, you understand it. You understand grain because you drive with your car down the road, you see grain fields. But today, if I went up to uh, to the local bar here at the Kildare and sat at the corner of the stool and started talking about yeast and whiskey, I would turn a consumer off. But people don't realize that yeast does make the majority of the flavor in your whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wish 2020, I, I'm actually looking 2030, 2040. Yeah, this is beyond. This I, I, is like your, in my, your, my yeah. mindset. Is someday cool. people will get an understanding that yeast is probably the most important thing. It is the heartbeat of what we do. Uh, it makes most of your flavors in your whiskey, but it's a difficult sell. Now, the cool thing about this, and I haven't done it yet, is I got the original yeast strains from Hiram Walker and J.P. Weiser's and Gooderham and Warts uh, and Henry Corby in lyophilized or frozen culture since the 1930s. Wow. I've cracked a vial open and I can get the yeast to grow. Now, would you be interested in tasting that whiskey in 10 years, Yvonne? Yes. Yes. So that's my biggest struggle is getting out there and telling people the importance of that. And it's one of the things I'll probably play with at some point before I retire. Um, But uh, I think that that is my biggest struggle. And and it's a very, very important part of what we do. We are brewers first. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Don, for taking your Friday, um, I guess, late afternoon, early evening to sit down with us to talk tech and whiskey. Um, thank you, too, for the, um, I guess, uh, the uh, semi-Canadian hug today with tasting the uh, Pike Creek 21-year-old. It is fantastic. Um, any other last thoughts you want to share with our listeners? As Canadians, let's stop apologizing on, on what we make here in Windsor, Ontario. I know Whiskey City, Whiskey Town. Um Canadian whiskey does stand up to others in the world. I mean, we put our whiskeys in competitions. They win all the time against scotch and Irish whiskey and bourbon. But yet when we go to the liquor store at Christmas time or on special occasions, uh, you pick up a bottle of scotch or Irish whiskey or bourbon. Don't be afraid to pick up the good quality stuff we make here in Canada and be proud of it and give it as a gift to, to, to people. Um, it is a very core to the city of Windsor and 350 men and women that work at our distillery on their day-to-day lives. And we appreciate the support from the local community. We see it and just keep spreading the love. And a special shout out to the the 50 plus or roughly 50 IT workers doing all <laughs> yes. the amazing technology into making this amazing whiskey. So that concludes another edition of Tech in the City. I want to do a shout out to MediaWorks Studio Network and producer Joe. Um, and you can tune in to um, other Tech in the City podcasts um, by subscribing on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, including Podbean. So thank you.